Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to Lighthouse Community today. My name is Fritz Bilo. I am one of the pastors here at Lighthouse Community. So glad you're here, and I do want to give a welcome to all of our guests uh, who are here joining us for me the first or the second time here today. And then I also want to say uh, hello to our Bluffton Community location, uh, to our crew meeting in Faustoria, uh, and our online campus as well. So glad you're here. Maybe you're traveling, or you know, maybe you like moved furniture this weekend and you hurt your back. You got stay home. So, you know, that happens, and uh, that's the blessing of having that, uh, that uh, ministry platform there. So, And if you're catching this later in the week, we're, uh, we're really glad you're with us. We know a lot of people check us out online before they make it here, and so we can't wait to meet you someday soon. There's a, uh, there's a book in the Old Testament of the Bible, and it's called Job, uh, right? And so uh, in this book, this is an account of um, basically the way this account starts out is that Satan comes before God, and God says, what have you been doing? And he says, I've been roaming around, and I've been looking all over the earth. And God says, uh, have you seen Job? He's remarkable. Um, he, he loves me deeply, um, and he resists evil in his life. And Satan says, well, yeah, of course he loves you. Uh, you have made him overwhelmingly wealthy, and you protect his life. Um, If you took away his wealth, if you took away his possessions, I'll guarantee you he would come and curse you to your face, right? And so God says, okay, uh, you you may test Job, but you can only only test him in his area of possessions. Uh, You can't touch his life, right? Don't harm him. And then Satan left. Immediately, the story jumps to, uh, to our world, and you've got Job there, and it says, all in one day, Job law, he got news that he lost all of his donkeys, his oxen, his sheep, his camels, his servants, right? All of them were either stolen or they were killed. And so what's being communicated here is that Job lost all of his wealth. He lost everything, Right? The bank, the, the Roth IRA, right? Like the 401k, everything that's got a number and a letter, he lost it all, right? It's all gone in this moment. And so while Job is processing this, this messenger comes running up to Job and says, Job, um, listen, all of your kids were at your oldest son's house and they were together uh, there in the house. And this Out of nowhere, this windstorm showed up, and it actually leveled the house. And I don't know how to tell you this, but all of your children are dead. And the scriptures say that Job stood up, and he tore his robe in grief. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Right? He's lost his wealth. He's lost his family. Uh, later, we realize he does lose his health, right? In all of this, like, can you, can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the heartache? Can you imagine the loss that Job suffered in his life? I mean, what's, what's he supposed to do? 
Like, how do you respond to that kind of loss in your life? And and I think it's easier for us to uh, approach situations like Job's suffering, right? Because we're like, we're an observer. We're on the outside looking in. And so we can be a little bit more objective and we see things like that happen. Go, man, that's really tough. That's hard to see and, and realize people are going through that. But, you know, we'll throw out these things. You know, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> and we're really objective about things like that because we're removed from the moment, right? You don't really know Job. You don't really know his family. You don't really know what he's going through and what he's experiencing. We go, it's a shame. But, but it's difficult for us to, to enter into that feeling. But when it's you, but when it's you, when you're the one facing suffering, when, when you're the one facing significant loss in your life, it becomes a little more difficult to be objective. It becomes a little bit more challenging to see God's plan in the midst of that pain, right? If we can just be straight up. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Because it's, it's not if you face suffering, it's when you face suffering, right? That's common for all of us. That's going to take place and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and right, suffering comes in all kinds of forms. Uh, you, it can come in the loss of a loved one, a disability, a job loss, uh, a bad decision on your part. It could be a divorce, right? There's like all kinds of situations. The, the, end, the possibilities are nearly endless with regards to that. And, and when the suffering's real, it's real, right? It hurts and we don't like it. And some suffering is so significant, you can't ignore it, no matter how much you might want to. And so what do we do? How do we respond? Well, if I'm being transparent with you this morning, I would have to admit that there are times when suffering has shown up in my life, and I have turned to things like anger, Um, I've turned to things like bitterness, I've developed things like resentment, uh, even in my own life and my own heart. And, And if you've been in that place as well, you've probably learned the same thing that I did, and it's this, none of that's helpful, right? Like none of that is of value when you're going through significant suffering. Actually, if anything, for me, what I found is uh, leaning into those things compounded and increased the frustration and made things that much more difficult when I went in that direction. But what if there was another option? What if you didn't have to choose anger and bitterness and resentment when you face suffering? What, what if instead of seeing suffering as something to avoid and run away from and escape as soon as possible, what if suffering instead was an invitation? What if suffering was not necessarily punishment for wrong things that you have done in your life, but what if the suffering that you and I face in our lives is an invitation to trust? What if it's an invitation to trust God? And what if you and I made the intentional decision to trust God in our suffering and to trust God through our suffering? And so as John mentioned, we are, uh, if you'll open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, that's where we're going to start at today, or you can click over there uh, on your device. We're in this series called You Asked For It, and so what happened is over the last, you know, six to eight weeks, what we did is we invited you to ask 
questions about, that you've always had about life, about God, about the Bible. And so uh, last week, in week one, we looked at the question, what does real faith look like? All right, that's what we talked about. By the way, uh, if you missed that teaching, I would encourage you to jump online, uh, go to our website, and you can watch or listen to that. Uh, that discussion has absolutely everything to do with today's discussion, so that would be really, uh, really helpful if you jumped in on that. But today, our question is this, how, how do I face suffering in my life? And, and that, again, it wasn't the exact question that was asked, but they kind of was the question behind the questions. Uh, we had questions like this. Uh, we had people describe a very significant tragedy or situation that had taken place in their life, and then on the back end of, of describing that situation, they said, how am I supposed to trust God through that? Right? Um, or another question was this When others are suffering, what's the best way for me to pray for them, or what's the best way for me to serve them? Uh, or another question was Does God use challenges to grow us and to shape us? And so those, those are all the questions that kind of lean into this larger question of how do I face suffering that shows up in my life? Because all of us have, or all of us will face suffering. And for some of us, it's been very deep and it's been very significant, so much so that it's actually left its mark on us uh, almost indefinitely, right? And so we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about facing suffering. So we're going to kind of start right at the beginning. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 6, uh, reading from the English Standard Version, and you can follow along with what you have. And it says this, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is where human suffering finds its beginnings. Right here, in, in this moment, right here in the Garden of Eden, right here in Genesis, right? This is the beginning. And you have to understand this when it comes to suffering, right? All suffering that we face that goes on in our lives ultimately stems from sin. It ultimately comes from this moment. It comes from our desire and our decision to live life under our own leadership as opposed to trusting God. And so when Adam and Eve rejected God's leadership over their life, sin, death, separation, and suffering made their ways into our lives, okay? And you begin to see the outflow of that right here in this passage. So after disobeying God, after choosing to follow their own leadership instead of God's, Adam and Eve immediately suffered shame. How do we know that? They hid themselves. They hid themselves from each other, right? I don't want you seeing me, and I don't really know if I want to see you. And then uh, they hear God, right, coming, walking, and they suffered under fear, and so what do they do? They actually go, they try to hide themselves, right? I'm going to hide myself from the God who's everywhere simultaneously, knows all and sees all. Let's go behind that tree. 
<laughs> He'll never see us there. <laughs> We're camouflaged. Uh, but right, so, <laughs> and, and so, right, these are the best ideas you come up with when you don't know what to do. And so they suffered under fear. Because of sin, we see that women suffer the pain in childbirth. Because of sin, men suffer toiling under work that never, right, that's never really accomplished and it never really brings true fulfillment. Uh, even creation suffers. Uh, in the book of Romans, or the letter to the Romans, Paul writes this. He says that creation is groaning and looks forward to being set free from the bondage and the effects of sin. Right? It's like everybody is touched by this moment. And so ultimately, suffering comes from sin. Now, practically, it makes its way to us in many different ways in our own lives, but ultimately, that's where it begins. And when we think about suffering, when we talk about suffering, a lot of times, our thoughts go to pain, right? We think of the physical pain that comes with different situations. We think about the emotional uh, pain that comes. We think about the spiritual suffering that we may go through in that. And I think that's right, and I think that's true. Those moments are really tough, and they're very heart-wrenching. But I think it's also worth pointing out that we, even in this room, we would not classify all suffering as bad or evil, okay? Right? We would, we would actually say there's some suffering we'll deal with and we'll tolerate, right? Well, there's some suffering we'll actually even lean into. Here, here's what I mean by that. We're willing to suffer for the things that we want, right? Like, let's just be straight up about that. We will suffer for the things that we want. And how that plays out sometimes is this. Um, you, you go to work and you work extra hours and you deal with all the grueling situations that come with that, all of the stress that goes along with that. Why? Why would, you, why would you suffer underneath the weight of all of those things? Extra hours, attention, right? Why? Well, because we have a desire. We want to support our families. We want to take care of those who are under our care. Or maybe you want to save up for this thing or this trip or this whatever. And so you're willing to face suffering in the now for something else that comes later, right? That's suffering we're actually willing to lean into. Um, so about, I think it was about 15 years ago, my oldest sister conned me into running a half marathon with her, right? And so, um, so I went through the suffering of like training and running. I developed a stress fracture in my right foot and, uh, and went through and did it anyways, right? I like suffered under doing this half marathon. And go, Why? I don't know. <laughs> That's not a great example, right? But it's nonetheless, right? Like here I was <laughs> suffering under this thing. I don't know. Maybe I wanted my sister to think I was cool or that should never happen. But, um, you know, whatever it is. But I was willing to do that, right? To go under that suffering. And so I know some of you are thinking right now, you're going, hey, listen, I understand the point that you're making, but there is a huge difference between suffering under extra hours at work and overtime and your boss and everything that goes with that and like the really significant pain and anguish that goes like maybe journeying through a difficult illness. Those two like aren't the same. They're not even on the same level, and that's what I would say. You're right. I would agree with that. Um, I don't disagree with that at all. They're different. They're different in scope. They're different in intensity. But the difference goes beyond just the level of pain that we experience and that we endure. Here's another way those two situations are different. When, when you agree to run the half marathon with your older sister, you have in mind what's coming, 
You know the training that's involved. You know the suffering you're putting your body under to, or under to condition, to get ready. Everything that's going to lead up to that, right? You know that, and you agree to that. On the other hand, when you go in for your annual checkup with the doctor, and they come back and say, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bila, we need to do some additional testing. We found something that we need to find out more about, and we're not quite sure. And you end up getting the diagnosis of something very significant. You went in, you agreed to go in for an annual checkup. You did not know that that was coming out on the other end. Okay? Do you see what I'm saying here? here here's, here's the point that I'm making is this. That's the difference between working overtime and facing like significant pain through an illness. We resist the suffering that we didn't agree to, and we resist the suffering that we, weren't, that we didn't expect in our lives. If we can just be really straightforward about that, that's the core of that. We resist the suffering we didn't agree to or that we didn't expect. And so what happens is things like unexpected suffering, right, especially begins to expose the truest desire for every single one of us. And do you know what that is? Every one of us deals with this. This is a, this is a true desire that rides, resides with every one of us. And, and unexpected suffering exposes it. It's this, control. Control. That's, that's the essence of this, right? Like, we want to have control over what we suffer and what we don't. We want to control over the degree of our suffering. And so what happens is when unexpected suffering that we didn't agree to comes into our lives, it is the slap across our face that reminds us what we don't want to be reminded of. I'm not in control. And that's a truth that chafes at the core of who we are. And if I'm not in control, then who is? And the scriptures would say, God, that God is in control. You're not in control. You never were. God is, and he always has been. Actually, the Bible points to God as the sovereign king over all of creation, including me and including you. And suffering's a really stark reminder of that. And here's the truth that comes out when we deal with unexpected suffering. That God, the king, will actually allow suffering into your life for his good purposes. Let me say that again. It's a very powerful, and I would even say threatening statement that, that needs to be thought through, right? That God, the king, will allow suffering into your life for his good purpose. So much so that actually our suffering can be for his glory and for our good. Now, I know that sounds like an oxymoron. They don't, right, jumbo shrimp, all of that. It doesn't go together, right? Good and suffering should not be together. But suffering and good actually do belong in the same sentence. It's true. Because there are countless examples in the Bible of significant suffering that God used for his glory and for our good, right? There's moments that if we went around and we talked with each one of us, there would be moments we would be able to look at in our own lives. There's moments we would be able to look at in the lives of other people and say, I know in, the, in that time I wasn't ready for that. I didn't agree to it on the front end. I didn't expect it on the front end. But now I see that God used that for his glory and he used it for our good. 
One that jumps out to my mind, and maybe it is for you if you're familiar with the scripture, is the account of Joseph in the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with his story, so Joseph is the youngest brother. Nobody likes the baby anyways, um, especially the older ones. Um, but so Joseph comes along, and his brothers hate him. They can't stand him. And they hate him so much, they actually throw him into a pit. And then they take him out of the pit, and they sell him into slavery. And so long story short, he's, in, he's a slave now. He gets thrown into prison. Other situations happen. And he ends up rising to be the most powerful person in the most powerful nation of that day and that time, right? And so you begin to see that story where God actually used the suffering in Joseph's life to save literally multiple nations, and to save his own family. And Joseph realized that himself, right? In Genesis chapter 50, this is what Joseph said. He's talking to his brothers who sold him into, who threw him into a pit, sold him into slavery, couldn't stand him. This is Joseph's response to them later. He goes, listen, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. And so Joseph saw that God allowed suffering in his life so that he could serve other people, so that God would be glorified. I think about the New Testament example of in Mark chapter 5. There's a woman well, we find out about who suffered uh, some form of bleeding for 12 years of her life. Right? They could not figure it out. They could not solve it. And literally, it also says that she even suffered under the doctors of that time who were practicing their medicine on her. Right? And so those who were supposed to bring healing actually were making it even worse. And so this woman is facing significant pain, significant suffering for 12 years of her life. And it wasn't until she put her hope and she put her faith in Christ that she found wholeness. And I'm not just talking about physical wholeness. She found real wholeness, spiritual wholeness in Christ. Now, I want you to think about this. It was her suffering that drew her to the greatest moment in her life. Do you see? This, this idea, this, this principle, this truth of God using suffering for good, that's the gospel, by the way. You have, to, you have to see that. That's the essence of the gospel, right? Think about this. Jesus, the righteous one, the darling of heaven, suffered by entering into our sinful world. He suffered by taking on flesh. He suffered things like hunger and thirst and tiredness and opposition. He suffered betrayal from some of his closest friends. He suffered torture and humiliation. Jesus suffered under the weight of every sin of every person who has ever lived or ever will live. Jesus suffered under the entire full wrath of God. Jesus, the author of life, suffered death. But from the greatest suffering came the greatest good. Right? Think about that. The resurrection the hope and the promise of new and eternal life. You don't get to the resurrection unless you get to the death. And you don't get to the death unless you get to the suffering and the torture and the humiliation. Everything goes along with that, right? So do you see that even to be able to get to the place of new life in Christ, the pathway is resurrection, death, suffering within all of that. 
That's the gospel. The gospel is that God brings the greatest good through the greatest suffering. And so now, by grace, right? Through grace, by faith, we can have new and eternal life in Christ. Do do you see? Do you see that God actually uses suffering to bring about good, to bring about blessing, to bring about his glory within all of that? Now, you won't always be able to choose how or when you want to suffer. It just doesn't work that way. So the question then begs, for I think for you and I, is how do we navigate suffering in our life? How do we suffer? I might even say it this way. How do we suffer well when suffering comes and finds us? Well, the Apostle Paul, I think, wrote something very, very helpful in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, he's just kind of sharing what's going on in his life and in the life of his team. This is what he says in verses 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians 1. He says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed, check this out, beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. This is is what Paul is writing. He's like, we're crushed, we're overwhelmed, we're weighed down. We thought we were going to die. By the way, he's doing what God asked him to do, to share the gospel to, to, to tell other people about who Jesus Christ is. And Paul and his team suffered for talking about the good news of Jesus. They were crushed. They were overwhelmed. They expected to die. And it was in that moment, it was in that moment, that they saw the invitation. They saw the invitation, and they realized that this suffering was not some punishment that they were being put through for something they did one other time. Actually, this was an invitation to trust God. Now, I want you to look at the rest of verse 9. Actually, let's do this. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 uh, out loud together. Are you ready? Go. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. I'll tell you what, if you're an underliner or a highlighter, you ought to be doing this verse. If you're looking for a new tattoo, be great right there, right? Like this is what, it, look, we, we stopped you got to catch this. This is the heart of the gospel. We stopped. What did they stop doing? Relying on themselves. What did they start doing? Relying on God, who raises people from the dead, by the way. Right? There's not hope and glory in that. That's the essence of a response to the gospel. They saw the invitation, and they made the intentional decision to rely on God. And so they chose to trust God through it. And that is the way that you and I navigate suffering, is to see suffering not as punishment for something you did, not as God getting back at you, but rather it's this invitation to trust him. Actually, it's an invitation to lean in on the gospel. Because this this is how Jesus faced suffering, right? Think about this. Jesus was crushed, and he relied on God. In the garden, when he's praying, he's overwhelmed, and he relied on God. In the courtroom, he relies on God. On the hill, he relies on God. On the cross, he relies on God. Jesus just keeps trusting God and his plan. And so literally, through that, Jesus plots the course. You see that? He plots the course for you and I. 
And so when, when we face suffering, when you face suffering, you have a decision to make. You either rely on yourself or you rely on God, all right? And here's what I would, encou- I would encourage you to do. I think this is what the scripture would say overwhelmingly, and I would agree with it too. It's simply this, rely on him. <laughs> rely, like don't refuse to rely on yourself. Rely on him. Trust him, right? Trust in his strength. Trust in his wisdom. Trust in his character. Trust in God. And so the ways that looks is sometimes it's literally reading through the scriptures just to remind yourself of his character and of his promises. Promises like I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. His character, that he is with you always. I think to rely on him means to pray and to be honest. Not to have nice, cleaned up verbiage and, you know, everything's perfectly. It's like, no, God, I'm hurting. And I don't know what to do with this. And if you don't show up, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, I think we'd just be straight up with him. But you have to see this. No matter what you're going through, God's ultimate answer to suffering is the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to know that. There, there's, no other, there's no other scenario. There's no other situation where this works out outside of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate answer. And let me tell you this. You don't have to be afraid of suffering because you're never alone in your suffering. You have to know that God sees you. You have to know that God understands your suffering firsthand. He has experienced all that you and I will ever experience and more. Right? Jesus was betrayed. He was humiliated. He was left alone. Jesus went through the most traumatizing pain that you can go through. And I want you to hear this. The Son suffered separation from the Father and the Spirit. The Son suffered separation from the Father and from the Spirit. Let me tell you something, and I need to hear this as much as you may need to hear it. You will never outsuffer God. Ever. And because Jesus did, now we can. Because Jesus relied on the Father, so can we. Right? We can rely on God. And so trust him. Lean in on him. Don't stiff arm him. Don't push away. Also, when you face suffering, right, rely on God, but also rely on others too. Um, what the ask I'm about to make of you it may be the hardest ask of the whole morning because some of you guys go, yeah, rely on God. I can do that. I'm with you. I can make that happen. Here's the other way that looks is when you're facing suffering, let others into your suffering as well. Let other people Rely on others as you're suffering too. Now, some of you are like me. When, uh, when you're not doing well, when you face uh, some kind of significant failure, when you're hurting, you don't tell anyone, right? And, and you just deal with it. And it, right, it's like almost like we're earning this merit badge, right? It's like the, uh, I went through one of the most difficult challenges in my life and felt really alone uh, merit badge. That's a really stupid badge to earn, by the way. If you're facing suffering, like receive ministry (laughs) from other people. And if you're not in the situation right now where you're facing suffering, minister, serve, 
right? Be present in the lives of other people too. Listen, the New Testament is full of what we refer to as one another passages, okay? They're passages like this, encourage one another, bear burdens with one another, right? Um, uh, let's see, I have them listed here. There's like a whole bunch. Uh, serve one another, love one another, right? And so when we're going through things, we can actually offer support, we can offer care, we can comfort, we can meet needs in the lives of one another, right? Uh, one of the verses clearly says pray for each other, pray for one another. And I know some of you, right, there's literally a question that came in where they said, how, how do I pray for others who are going through suffering if the scriptures are clear that God actually allows suffering, into people's lives for a purpose. How am I supposed to pray for them? Do I, do I pray for healing and that God takes it away? Or do I just pray for them to have strength and endurance to grow in trust? What do I do? Is it the healing or is it the strength? What do I pray for? You know what the answer is? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Right? Like when, when I know you're going through something in your life and you share that in your connection card or you talk to me or whatever, when I pray for you, one of the first things I ask God for is I ask God for the miracle. I pray for your healing. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for restoration. I pray for God to come in and do the absolute impossible because that's who he is. And at the same exact time, because I'm not him, I also pray that God would show you that you can trust him through the whole situation. And whether it plays out to the way we all hope it could or hope it should, that you could trust him and that he would be glorified through you and that you would grow to rely on him overwhelming during this season. And so let me say this. How do you pray for somebody going through suffering? Pray for the miracle and pray for God to grow them in the process too. I think both of those things are okay. And maybe one of the most powerful ways that we can minister to one another when we're going through suffering is what I would simply refer to as the ministry of presence. The ministry of presence. Here's what I mean by that. When someone's suffering, and think about this in your own life, when you're suffering, you feel alone, right? Like, just being honest, it's like the pain, the hurt, the frustration, it isolates you. And you're like, I don't think anybody else would understand what I'm going through right now. And we feel alone. I mean, after Job lost everything, his friends show up, and for the first seven days, they just sat silently with him. Actually, if you read the book of Job, you know that may be the most helpful thing they did through that entire book, was to sit silently with Job for seven days. Let me say something to you. People don't need you to understand when they're going through suffering. People don't need your suggestions when they're going through suffering. You don't need to have the right words. You don't even have to have words. You know, one of the most powerful ways to minister to somebody going through suffering is to simply be present and to show up, right? Because it's a real reminder that they're not alone. And so we can rely on God and we can rely on each other. Here's the last thing I would say to you as far as navigating suffering well. It's this, ask God to use your suffering. 
Ask him to use your suffering. Because if God has allowed it, then he has purpose and he has meaning for it. And so just because you're suffering doesn't mean that God can't use you, that God can't use your time and your life. I want you to think about this. As Jesus was suffering on the cross, okay, he's been nailed to the cross, he's hanging up there for everybody to see, he's struggling for breath. While he's hanging on the cross, he kept serving other people. Think about this. He made arrangements for the care of his mother while he was hanging from the cross. He spoke words of hope and truth to an insurrectionist who was hanging next to him. And while he's hanging on the cross, he prays for the very people who nailed him there, that God would show his mercy to them. God, forgive them. They don't even realize what they're doing. That in his moments of greatest suffering, Jesus is still serving others. You're in the hospital? Man, pray for your nurses and your doctors. Ask them about their views on life and God and Scripture. Right? Some of us have gone through really significant situations in our life and growing up. Right? Like for me, um, I grew up like in a really jacked up family. And I've still like I've still got that stuff messing with me still today, and God's healing me and all of that. But what's amazing is this: is God has actually used that suffering and that brokenness in my life to begin to connect with others who have or are going through the same exact thing, and I can point them to Christ and say, "He's the answer. He's the only way you make it through this in any way whatsoever." And so God can use our suffering to serve others with the gospel. So how do we suffer well? We rely on God, we rely on others, and we ask God to use our suffering for his glory and for our good. That's what that looks like. And so Job lost his wealth, Job lost his family, Job even lost his health. By the way, if you've never read through the book of Job, you should. It is a remarkable account of somebody who faced overwhelming situations and stayed trusting God along the way. Actually, it's the next step on your connection card. Here's an idea. You could read through the book of Job this week. Or here's what I did this week. I actually listened to it all week long on the Bible app. So when I was driving, when I was working out, I just listened to the book of Job. And it was wonderful. And God ministered to me personally in some remarkable ways. And so that might be a next step you want to take this week. But do you know, do you know how Job's story ends? And I know you want to go to the like, well, everything goes back to normal and he gets all his stuff back and everything's tied up in a good bow. You know how the story of Job really ends? It ends in repentance. That's actually how the account of Job ends. It ends in repentance because it goes something like this. Job basically says to God, my suffering isn't fair. I didn't do anything wrong. This isn't right, God. It's not fair. And God responds and he shows up. And this is what God says. Fair? You want to talk about fair? You, you want to talk about fair? Where were you when creation was formed? Where were you when the boundaries of the ocean were put in place? Where were you when the storehouses were filled with snow and appointed of when it was going to come down? Where were you when breath was breathed into men? Where were you? when those same people turn their back on me. Who do you think you are? Right? And Job realizes 
what he's doing and what he says. And you get to chapter 42, and Job says this, God, you asked a question. Who is this that questions me and questions my wisdom with such ignorance? Job says, it was me. And I now realize I was talking about things I had no understanding of. And he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're going to trust God through your suffering, for probably every single one of us, it's going to have to begin with humility, and it's likely even going to need to have to begin with repentance. Repenting of your need to be in control. Repenting of your desire to know every step of the way before you get there. Repenting of the idea that it's better for you to suffer by yourself than to let others in. Because relying on God is how we navigate suffering. Listen, you're going to face suffering. Many of us in here already have. We can't explain the mystery of suffering. And we can't avoid all suffering. And we can't control how long or to the degree that we suffer. But we can control how we respond to suffering. And do you see what the invitation is? It's to trust. It's to trust. It's to rely on God. And so draw close to him. Rely on him. And don't be afraid to look ahead to the ending when God ultimately and finally defeats all evil and all suffering. You see, suffering is an invitation. It's an invitation to trust God. Say yes and draw close to him. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. We end our teaching asking this question, and the question is simply this, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? And I want to give you an opportunity to listen to what he has to say. Some of you recognize that you are just now beginning to enter into a significant season of suffering. Some of you are right in the middle of it. Some of you realize you're on the tail end. But every one of us is touched by this situation. You're not designed to navigate this thing by yourself and on your own. It's an invitation to trust him, and I hope that you do. And one of the ways you can do that this morning is, is through prayer. And so we want to pray for you right here at Lighthouse Community. And so here's what we're going to do. We have prayer leaders who are going to be positioned in every corner of the room, the four corners of the room. And if you would like to receive prayer for any area of your life, and especially if you're going through something significant right now in your life, it is good for you to pray with another believer to agree, right? To invite another believer in to pray with you. 
And so you can pray about any area of your life. You could, you could have something significant going on. You could just say, I want to I get together with a brother or sister and, and praise God for a situation, right? It can be anything. And you don't ever have to be embarrassed to want prayer. Every single one of us need prayer. I need prayer, right? John needs prayer. Pastor Matt needs prayer. All of us. And so if you'd like to receive prayer, what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song. And at any time, you can come forward or go to one of the other corners and receive prayer. Um, and we're going to be ready to pray with you. But before that, let me pray for you. And then I want to invite you to come. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.